All right, we're going to talk to Kathy and then uh, to Sid, and Kathy's up first. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. How are you about? I'm good. Thanks for calling. Good. Okay, there's like three things. First of all, yes, sir, when that wind came in, all of a sudden, I couldn't breathe. I thought it was just me. I was glad to hear it. Well, uh, I I think you and about 90% of San Antonio, from what I've talked to. Now, one question I have, when we were kids growing up, our parents used to tell us that the poinsettias were poisonous to animals if they ate them. Is that true? Well, you know, define poisonous. Are they deadly poisonous? Do they pose a severe threat to your pet's life? No, absolutely not. Yeah, would they give them an upset tummy? Maybe so, especially if you have a sensitive stomach to begin with. I mean, if it's a black lab like oh, mine, okay. they could probably eat the whole greenhouse full and it wouldn't bother yeah. them. Depending on the animal. I Depending guess, on right? the animal. But, and you know, anything that has a white milky sap has the potential of uh, having being an intestinal and gastric irritant, so to speak. But, uh, uh, no, they're not going to, unless there's some really strain al- strange allergy or something going on, uh, this is not a real dangerous situation. Okay. Now, one thing, a couple weeks ago, you were talking about... Um, the uh, beneficial nematodes. Right. Now, I have to wait till March or so to put those down, right? Because I put them down about 10 years ago for grub worms. Right. And, and uh, did you say they will also eat fleas? Well, is they don't really eat them. They burrow into them, take in a bacteria that kills them. And you can put beneficial nematodes out 365 days a year. Oh, really? And yeah, we get, we get a fresh shipment once a week, literally 52 weeks a year, sometimes even two or three times a week. But here's the thing about your beneficial nematodes. If they don't find an organism to burrow into and do their thing, so to speak, uh, they live for mm-hmm. about 60 days. Now, two nematodes get together in a grub worm, they can produce 100,000 baby nematodes. So if they are finding insects, to get into then their numbers are going to stay up but basically when you put out a bunch of nematodes most of them are going to be gone 60 days from now so i there are very few situations where i put them out you know just to be putting them out i'm going to usually i'm going to put them out with a reason they're not expensive but hey that 10 or 15 bucks could buy me a new orchid plant or something like that so uh, if you are fighting fleas yes put them out right now if you have any issues at all with ticks or with this little uh, creature that gets inside of flower buds and does a lot of damage called a thrips insect. If you're fighting either ticks or thrips, you definitely want to be putting them out at this time of year because this, this is the only time of year that the ticks are down in the soil, and it's the time when you get the larval state of the thrips very easily. So if you're fighting either of those things, you definitely want to put the uh, want to oh, put your nematodes out now. But if you're fighting... If, if you're fighting grub worms, no, you are way too early. Right. And now, this would be mostly fleas. Now, my daughter's yard, I want her to do it because it was so successful for me. Very good. I don't think she has ticks, but she does have 
you know, several animals, so it wouldn't hurt for her to go in and do it now. would not hurt a bit. And be sure that she gets the live beneficial nematodes that come on a little blue sponge. My experience yeah. is that they are much more effective than the dry form of the nematodes, which, I mean, people that sell these things really like the dry form because they can put them on the shelf and they stay there for six months. But um, they just, it's a different blend of nematodes. We like the live ones. Now, granted, they have a shorter shelf life you have to get we keep them in the refrigerator and keep them in the fridge yeah. keep them in the fridge and they're good for about two weeks but it is a blend i think they put seven different species of nematodes into this particular blend and uh they target everything from fleas to wireworms to grub worms to fire ants to ticks um a lot of different things you will get rid of and of course there are a tremendous number of fire ants out there with all the i didn't uh, know yeah fire ants yeah yeah, because my and daughter termites. is so allergic to yeah. fire ants. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it's they're, they're, they're a very good thing. But if you're not facing uh, fleas, ticks, or thrips, then I'm going to wait till later in the spring to put them out. The time we put them out for grub worms is when we first start seeing the so-called June bugs, the, the beetles, the copper-colored beetles. And when you start seeing a lot of them around your porch light, that's when they're out laying the eggs. That's when you're going to get the little tiny first and second larval instars that do all the damage to your landscape. That's the time to put them out for grub worms. But, hey, if you've got uh, thr- uh, thrips, ticks, or fleas, uh, head down to a good nursery and get some today. All righty. Thank you very much, and you have a great day, Bob. And you have a great Christmas season. I appreciate the call, Kathy. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. All right, next up is Sid, and then it's going to be Bill. Good morning, Sid. Hi, good morning. Good morning, sir. I had several questions. I have acreage up in Spring Branch, and I was not able to put out my clover field mix that I like to do in October. Right. Can I I still do that now? You certainly can. Here's the issue with uh, just about anything is when you first when these little plants first sprout and come up they are not especially cold hardy whether it's clover whether it's oats whether it's all the things we typically plant this time of year that first week or two that they are up if we get a really hard freeze they will be damaged if we have a typical <laughs> what that's why i always say typical i don't ever say normal because normal just doesn't apply to texas weather but if we have a typical season i mean i'm looking at you know my forecast for the next uh two weeks for and i'm on about the same latitude i'm over west of bernie and i'm not seeing anything below the uh you know upper 30s so uh, if you can do it now i would say by all means go for it get it get you know get it uh are, are you disking it in or how are you, how do you plant i just broadcast it does that work Depends on what the mix is. Many things you'll get by with broadcasting. If you're planting any of the grains like oats, you're better to disc them in lightly. But, um, you know, just you're, you're gambling a little bit because you could put them out today. They could sprout next week. And then all of a sudden we get one of what my grandfather used to call a blue norther. It goes down to 15 degrees and a lot of this stuff freezes back. But if they come up and have a couple of weeks to grow, to start building up those sugars, to start building up their antifreeze, as it were, uh, then you're just perfectly fine to do it. I think it's certainly worth doing it. Okay, good. Um, What's good to put in the garden this time of year? Oh boy, onions are on the top of my list. Uh, your onion oh, yeah. plants were very late. Uh, 
come becoming available this year because of all the wet weather. But uh, you can plant onions. Um, probably the most cold-hardy leafy green is going to be spinach. Uh, you should be able to plant broccoli and cauliflower and cabbage. Um, things that, and those these are all things that we're going to set out as plants. Uh, there are various things you can plant from seed, but the same conditions apply as what we're talking about with the field seed. If we get a real hard freeze right after they come up, uh, it could harm them. But uh, radishes, beets, carrots, turnips, lettuces, uh, all those things can go in right now. Nice thing about the garden is if we get that unexpected uh, you know, forecast, we can always put some insulators, some row cover out, and protect those little seedlings. Kind of hard to do on acreage with your field crops. Yeah. But uh, uh, those are all things that I would certainly uh, consider putting in right now. I'd think about planting some more snow peas right now. Okay. Uh, we love kale at our house. When can I put in kale? Uh, as soon as I go off the air, about 915 <laughs> it's uh yeah it's you know there are lots of forms of kale my favorite has become the one they call toscano or the dino kale it's the one that'll get up waist high wow. and it's good to eat as a fresh green it is good cooked or you can you know stick it in the oven and make kale chips out of it which are a heck of a lot healthier than most potato chips and things like that but all the kales are good but if you've never grown the toscano like say also known as dino or dinosaur kale plant yourself a little bit of that because golly i can't tell you i mean by the time these things get up waist or almost chest high i've already picked 30 40 50 leaves off of every single plant and uh, they're just one of the most productive kales i've ever grown it's a little thinner leaf it's a very uh kind of crinkly uh leaf but uh you stick a couple of plants in and see if you like it as well as i do let me ask you this my wife just freezes a kale leaf just like it is just puts them in bags sure puts them in the freezer right and uh is it I mean, just the dynasty, what did you say? The uh, It's called to- Toscano to- 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 or Dino Kale. Yeah, you can do the same thing. Okay, well, thank you so much. Well, let me tell you one other thing uh, to tell your wife, and she probably already knows this. I'm going to give her credit for knowing it, but so this is for the other however many thousand people are, have tuned in, and that is when you freeze anything, be sure that you get the little bags that say freezer bags, and that is oh, not yeah. because they're tougher. Everybody thinks, oh, those must be tougher bags, and that's not it at all. The freeze In the freezer, many, you know, will use a brand named ziploc i don't mind and uh but many of your standard bags when you put them in the freezer they release some really chemicals that you would not want going into your food when you get the freeze marked freezer uh little plastic bags those are stabilized to where you don't have to worry about the nasty stuff and the plastics getting out and into your food so it's not a matter of how tough the bag is it's a matter of if it's specially made to go in the freezer and protect you from from some of the chemicals that could be in it well thank you so much my friend always a pleasure i appreciate the call this morning you get out and have a wonderful day Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Sid. Bye. All right, we'll talk to Bill, and then I've got open lines again. Hey, good morning, Bill. Good morning. Morning, sir. Hey, I've got a uh, strange thing going on with a oak tree around my house. Got uh, noticed the other day twigs all over the ground uh-huh. underneath it, and uh, got to looking, and I couldn't see anything causing it. But none of the trees, none of the others in the yard have that have that happening, and I. 
I don't know what's calling it. It'd be about, well, they cut off, look like about, where they're about the size of a matchstick or a little bigger. Yeah, and they, they still still have the green leaves on them? Yeah, they have green leaves when they hit the ground. Well, there, there are two possibilities. The less likely one is just simply the wind. I mean, uh, winds we've had have, have brought down a lot of little twigs, but you'd expect that to be under all your trees. Um, what it more likely is, these uh, creatures that I call bushy-tailed tree rats that most people call squirrels. And nobody really knows why they do it. Now, targeting live oaks is not the most common thing. They usually go after cedar elms. In the spring, they may go after pecans. But they somehow they are sensing that they need something that's in the bark of those things. And I don't, you know, it, it seems awfully wasteful to me. They take two bites and, you know, cut the limb off and it falls on the ground. And then they go off and do it again and again and again. And you can literally have, you know, four or five inches of uh, little cut twigs on the ground. Here's one thing that I would look at one thing theory and i have to say i think it's plausible but i don't think it's ever been proven definitively but if a tree is under stress at all then it starts producing more sugars in its sap which makes it more attractive more tasty uh to some of the things like the squirrels it would be eating on the bark eating on these limbs uh and so you've got to say since they're only hitting the one oak tree is there something bothering this oak tree that would you know make it a little bit more stressed than the others the most common thing that will do this is either having the root flare covered either having uh you know soil built up uh, above where you normally see that big old wide flange of roots coming out um, either that or sometimes compaction if uh, for whatever reason uh, i see this on construction sites where you know all the the guys decide to park under this big shady tree in the middle of the summer because they don't want their cars to get so hot but they a, a pickup truck causes more compaction than a small bulldozer does and if you have if you're starting to get a lot of soil compaction happening in that area this is going to stress your trees and if there's anything like that going on like say having the trunk buried a little too deeply is the most common thing but that's always a possibility when they're only hitting one tree then i go look to see if that tree's uh, stressed more than the other trees in some way well maybe that but the where they're cutting them off or where they're broken off is so far out on the end. I don't even know if it'd hold the weight of a squirrel. Well, you get out and watch those blasted little things. You'll, that limb will be bobbing up and down and up and down. And like I say, they, they, they do, they hit cedar elms, they hit pecans, but once the leaves are off of those, if they're still in this mode saying, I need whatever mineral, whatever sugar, whatever's in there, then they'll sure be cutting on your live oaks as well. And the fact that they've just targeted one tree, it just make me curious about what is different about that tree from the others. Yeah. And, and that's what I say. Some sort of stress is usually what does it. Okay. Well, I'll keep an eye out. What, how's the best way to propagate an oak tree? That, uh, acorns. Seed or from yeah, from acorns. Branches? Gather up your acorns, throw them in a bucket of water. The ones that sink are the good viable ones. And uh, just plant them up. The one thing I always tell people, be sure – when you put them in pots that you put some sort of cover or something over to where squirrels can't get to them. They say a squirrel can smell an acre and eight inches deep in the soil. And from a friend who, you know what the bur oaks are that have those acorns that are almost the size of golf balls. 
um, planted <laughs> quite a number of them and came back two days later to find the squirrels had dug up and eaten, eaten every single one of them. So uh, plant them up. Uh, you can plant them in really small containers if you will transplant them pretty soon after they germinate. Or you can go ahead and put them in like gallon containers and just, you know, group them all together. And I just took a piece of hardware cloth on top and put a brick on top of it so they can't get through that. And then just kind of pull them out once uh, the loke is up and growing, then they're probably past uh, the stage that squirrels are going to go after them. But, yeah, just collect, and there are lots of acorns out there. I know uh, I look out under my oaks, and, man, there are coyotes or squirrels or possums or deer. Everything in the world's out there going after the acorns. <clears throat> they're a little smaller than usual, but they're real good quality thanks to the late summer rains. How long does it take after they hit the ground before they sprout? If you go ahead and put them in water, it depends. Uh, put them in soil. It depends on uh, how warm it is. You can stick them on a propagating mat, and they'll be up and growing within three or four weeks. Uh, if you just go ahead and put them in the pots, the seed should probably sprout and produce start producing roots. But you're not probably not going to see any top growth until it warms up next spring. Well, if you keep them indoors, would would that make them come on up? If uh, if they are warm, like I say, the bottom heat is what is really important. And um, we were looking online, my business partner and I, and for, you know, in the neighborhood of 20 bucks, you can buy these little uh, plastic mats that have heating cables, cables in them. If you really want to get things up and growing, they're a real good investment. Is that called a propagating mat? Is propagating mat, yes, sir. Okay. All right. Good deal. All right. Well, I guess that's all I've got. Well, if you think of anything else, you know where to find me. <laughs> In the meantime, okay. get out and have a good weekend. It's going to be a gorgeous right, day today, Bill. All right. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Bye.